never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Hi guys, welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Today is another fantastic day for an interview. And today I've got a colleague here. I've got a colleague from the United States beaming in. Um, however, no longer beaming in really as the surgeon that she was, as the woman kicking ass in in corporate medicine out there, multi-million dollars, accolades left, right, and center. And then something happened. And then suddenly, I guess I could say, Michelle finally stopped and asked herself, who does she want to be when she grew up? And that is exactly what we're going to talk about. So we had an amazing transformation. And I can't wait to hear what was the, the catalyst, how was the before, how was the, the after. Oh, can't wait. Michelle, welcome to my show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> and it's so bizarre, isn't it? I mean, the sheer fact that we too, as medical professionals, are sitting here and talking on a podcast, that already is, I don't know, 0.1% of our profession actually take the time out to actually come to that point, whilst the rest yeah. is still on the on the rat race, <laughs> on the hamster wheel. And or, it's just or, or so... Chained to their golden handcuffs. Oh, nicely said. Nicely said. Yeah. Uh, and you were not different. Did you always want to become a surgeon? Was that always I your always dream? Wanted to, so I, so the, the, the story of me becoming a doctor is really interesting. Uh, as long sure. as I can remember, I wanted to be a doctor. And I... It was like this this path to independence. I I grew up in a, a it was pretty I was abused pretty pretty heavily as a child, and so I realized early on that I had to take care of myself. And it wasn't until I want to say January of 2019, and I was in this like meditation NLP timeline kind of thing with with a coach, and the coach took us back to because he's he asked the specific question if you haven't made money in your business yet let's find out why and so we went he took us way way back in our timeline go ahead no i'm sorry no 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 oh, sorry I, I raised okay. the finger I that's why i was i was just yes. yeah, okay. yeah tell so me tell so me he's tell like, me. if you haven't if you haven't made money in your business yet and this is talking about the online business let's find out why and let's go back into your timeline to the first time that you started thinking about money and so I went back in my timeline and I had this memory and I was five years old standing behind my mom. And I know it's a real memory because like, like right at my eye level was the back of her knee. So like it, it's, it's appropriate. <clears throat> this isn't made up. And my mom was facing somebody and she was talking about her brothers who were doctors. And she said, those guys are doctors. They're so rich. And so my five-year-old brain incorporated that into my subconscious and said, doctors are rich. I want to make mom happy. The only way to make money is to be a doctor. And that's how I'm going to make my mom happy because she wants money. Now that program ran in my brain until I entered medical school at age 31. I tried other things and I still couldn't do it. I had to go to medical school. I graduated surgical residency at the age of 40 and I worked um, 
as a surgeon until 55. And in all fairness, there is, uh, it is still a male dominated uh, uh, society as far as surgery is concerned. And uh, it's certainly in those environments in which I worked and came up, there was always a hot competition amongst all the surgical residents um, to either get and stay on the program or in fact then uh, establish yourself in such a way that you get a decent decent standing in the community and actually get out. So brutal hours. Um, and when we say brutal hours, I mean, the States are, are infamous for it, but this is around the world. I started my anesthetic training, oh God, uh, late 90s. And it was quite common for us to start on a Friday, end up on a Monday, basically on call throughout. Um, are there similar horror stories in your life? Is that, was oh, that yeah. your life? Yeah, so, I mean, we were every third night on call, sometimes every second. Mm. We have we have specific laws in New York and I think throughout the country now that you can't be on call for more than a several certain number of hours, but mm. it doesn't matter because we, we broke them all the time. <laughs> And um, there, there was one time I was up for like, I want to say 50, 60 hours at a time, you know, and I mean, you just, you just get used to being sleep deprived. And when I got to the point where I was like really sick of being on call and really sick of not being able to sleep through the night and my nervous system was like, we just need to sleep. And so I get these calls and I'd have anger. I'd have anger at getting called. And so I started, I had to really look at me. I'm like, why am I being this way? I mean, this is the life I signed up for. And I realized that I didn't want that life anymore. That was a big part of it was like, I just want to sleep through the night. And that's what what I did. I mean, when I left. What are we talking about? Are we talking even now in private? Was that, uh, why did you get calls in private? You were doing- No, no, this is when I was working as a surgeon. Yeah. In, so, and taking call at night. So we we in America, it's really rare to have a group covering the night. We we had to cover our own stuff at our own ER. See, that's the interesting one. So I work now fully in private, um, and we don't do on calls because we we are an elective surgery hospital. So it's basically yeah. all my colleagues. We are rocking up at eight in the morning, kick ass until five six. Um, and we work for our money, no two ways around it, but then we have got a very good setup. Um, we are still on call for our patients, but because, well, we are doing a decent job, um, and we have got nurses trained. Um, Hey, it is, it is actually a very beautiful life whilst at three o'clock in the morning cesarean section, and then the four o'clock and the five o'clock, et cetera. Oh my God. That was appendectomy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I I got to a point where I just didn't. I mean, I like doing emergency surgery. That that that's my forte. I love it. Right. I love. I didn't love trauma, but I love doing emergencies. And um, because there's just not a whole lot that can happen that I don't know what to do about with. Like I don't like trauma because I don't want to deal with a fractured like pancreas or something. Yeah. But um, but like what are the emergencies in the belly? I mean, it's like, it's going to be a ruptured colon or it's going to be a perforated stomach and a viscous or something, or it's going to be a gallbladder. I mean, there's just common things are common. Mm. And so I really liked the certainty of it. 
even though there was a lot of uncertainty. The biggest uncertainty was like when they would call us. And so what I tried to do was replace myself. And so I hired four surgeons. And what, what happened was um, I ended up creating a lot of resentment because I wasn't working as much as they were, even though I was the one paying them. And somehow in my leadership style, um, I would create a lot of resentment. And at that point I realized, well, I don't like leading surgeons. And so I thought, well, let me take one of my surgeons and make him the medical director. And then that'll give me a little bit more, yeah. you know, a break from like the resentment and the anger that was coming off of my staff. And it just bred more resentment. And then I was basically, fuck this. I don't want to do this. This is not the life I want. Because I got to the point where I was so unhappy every day, I actually considered suicide. And I was like, well, I don't want to live like this. This is not healthy. And so I said, it's easier to burn the whole thing down to the ground and start something brand new all over again than to live in this misery. And wow. so- I, Talk I, about I, uh, a bloody burnout, girl. Um, <laughs> you didn't do things by half. And when I say that, I mean, one of the classic symptoms for us uh, showing our burnout is the lack of empathy, uh, both to, to the patients as well as to, to others. Um, and I can remember sitting uh, in a clinic when a patient... <laughs> I thought, oh my God, you, you have problems. Let me tell you about my problems. And it was that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I really, I, well, I, I stopped myself then. Uh, but my goodness, I mean, this is this is a classic telltale sign um, of us really coming to the end of our tethers. And it should yeah. never come to that yet in my career. So many times it has happened. Yeah, and it comes I mean, cyclical, isn't it? I yeah, mean, well, in America, you know, I, now everything is corporate medicine. And I was one of the, the holdouts. Like I, I was a independent, I employed people. I had the biggest group in the area that was still independent. And then administration of the hospital actually tried to interfere with my employment contracts. <laughs> they, and, and, and I just looked at them and I said, how could you even think that you have say in a private employment contract here. Why am I here in this meeting? Okay. And so it was that just lack of caring about what I provided to this hospital that and, and how 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 little I mattered to them. Oh yeah. That Ooh. just it was just it was just such a it was like such a telltale sign for me. Like it it was a struggle from the day I started. And I left without any, they, they didn't thank me. They didn't, do, and, and I, you know, I'd given the hospital a lot of money and they just didn't care. And I thought I need more meaning in my life than this. And so I saw, I, I, I actually, I had actually in 2009, I was feeling the same way and I quit for a while and I did some locums and then they asked me to come back. So I went back and it, it was never my calling. See, that's the thing I'm trying to say. I had this belief at age five and I wanted to please my mom. And that program ran until 2019 when I recognized it. And then it still took me another couple of years to undo it after that. And am I a doctor? Yes, I'll always be a doctor. But do I have to be a doctor to make money? Do I have to work in medicine to make money? No. Yeah. And that's 
that was the undoing of the belief that that I had to work on. And it's just a testament to the fact that we create so many strong beliefs in our childhood mm. that we just think are normal, that we don't even know what they are. Like I had no idea I'd created this belief. I had no idea why was I so strongly drawn to medicine? Now, I don't regret any of it, right? But it just wasn't my calling. I had always been really more called to psychology. I'd love the brain and trying to figure out how to, how the brain works and motivation and change and and all these things. And that was always something I was interested in. Um, but I was able to really focus and make things happen for me um, as a single parent when I was in medical school and then residency. So I got through that and I built this practice and I figured out how to make a lot of money and then I was able to leave it. So, you know, thank, I mean, listen, I made money. <laughs> Hi, mom. Um, <laughs> And now, now I, as I, as I kind of have evolved into a different person and realized that it really is about what I choose to think about things, that, that, that mindset is really the key to everything. Then I, I started working with women in menopause. Okay. And I was like, menopause is such a hard time for us as women. It, 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 you know, it's like another puberty and it comes on so suddenly and we don't know what to do. And so I started like reaching out to women in menopause and then realized that I was attracting people who were nothing like me. They were usually, they were housewives or a chronic pain or, and they just wanted to complain a lot and get medical questions answered. And I'm like, well, medicine, menopause is not a medical condition. So let's just reframe menopause. And so I said, okay, let me work with people who are already high achievers, but know that something's off in their life. And again, in life, you get your habits. So how, how can I, how can I help you like go after that dream that you let go when you were in your twenties, because all you were doing was taking care of the people in your life, because that's what we do as women. That's what we're expected to do. And, um, and so now I've got a program called launch your life and it really is, you know, how to create your ideal life one habit at a time. And one way that you can work with me is to get into my 28 day challenge, which I do at the beginning of every month. And it's just four habits to get on top of your weight because women in menopause gain weight in the middle. And we don't want to admit that it's our behavior, but it is sometimes it's hormonal, but mostly it's our behavior. And so I start with uh, four simple habits and then, and then we move from there into the launch your life coaching program. If you want to stay and help you build your life one small habit at a time. And that's exactly the way to go, isn't it? These habits and the, uh, dealing with the core beliefs. This is, uh, I think, the the key things to do. Um, and But most of us, we run away. And I've got a lifetime of running. So in my case, I became a holic early in my life. I became yeah. a workaholic first, um, because again, I, uh, both at school, I suddenly recognized that it is, has got distinct advantages for me to be actually the best. Um, and then for many other reasons, PTSD, the main thing in my life, uh, which drove me um, to work because when I was doing work, when I was learning, when I was doing whatever, I was focused 
and I didn't have to think about my emotions and my feelings and maybe my core beliefs. The sheer fact that core beliefs are riding me, that only came in my 40s that I figured that out. So I became a workaholic before I became an alcoholic. But still, I was escaping my reality. How did you escape? Because you you notice that yourself there are there are these undercurrents there that made you unhappy um yeah. we we hate to be unhappy so how did you try to run away what was your wow <laughs> so it's really i i did a lot of traveling last year um, right and it's so funny i i didn't want to do another new york winter and so february 15th last year i drove to california um from new york and it was it was really great because I spent a lot of time by myself, you know, on the road drive. I mean, I really enjoyed the drive. And I went and stayed with my cousin in California. And I thought, oh, yeah, you know, I'll get out and I'll ride my bike and I'll run and stuff. And um, I got really depressed. Interesting. I drank too much. I ate too much. I didn't move my body. And I was like, man, you know, this is really true. In life, you get your habits. And so then again, in... in um, at the end of September and for the month of October and part of November, I went over to Europe. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to run every day. I'm going to do it. I potato chips every day. I gained like 30 pounds. And I was like, wow, wherever you go, there you are. And okay. So- okay. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. Too easy. Too easy. Yes, you're right. You're right about everything you say at the same token. Here you have been burning the candles on both and and in the middle for years. Don't you think that your body was actually saying, fuck that. I need to sleep. I need to <laughs> crash. I need I to. I mean, uh, I was partying and, you know, I, the thing is, is that there's something that happens with me. And that is there's a cycle. So if I, um, if I eat food that I know is not good for me, yeah. okay, anything from a restaurant usually, if, so it's stuff I haven't prepared. Um, and that the reason for that is because of what the restaurants use. They use uh, seed oils because they're odorless and tasteless and cheap, but they're not good for us. And they're definitely not good for me because what happens is they lead me into a depression. So if I eat fried foods or just about anything from from a restaurant because they make their salad dressings and everything with these seed oils, corn, canola, cotton seeds, soy, safflower, sunflower, those are the worst ones. So, um, so I'll eat French fries or I'll eat chips or I'll eat whatever, and then I'll lose my motivation. And it's really interesting because it happened over and over and over. So I know this is a fact for me, maybe not for you, but it is for me. So I'll eat this food and then in at least two weeks, I like lose motivation. It takes a while because it's got to get through my system and then I don't want to exercise. And when you haven't exercised for a while, that's when it's hardest to get started again. Mm, And so, um, okay. So so that's what happened. That's what happened to me in California. That's what happened to me in England. I take that. Um, But let's rewind five years. Um, that is, you can't be that, uh, kick ass type a personality all the time. I tried, I tried, it doesn't work. So I did the 16 hours and then I needed to decompress and I used alcohol to do so. What did you do to decompress? So I'm a, um, I'm a TV watcher. Ah, So if I need to numb out, I'll watch TV for hours. That's Uh one thing I'll do. Um, and I've kind of taken to there's certain shows I can only watch if I'm like on my bike. 
so there there is a bit of um there is a bit of you know rule there like i won't there's certain just things i really really like yeah. i'll only watch if i'm doing a stationary bike ride or something <laughs> so i'm able to like give myself yeah. uh, some rules but but yeah so my thing is um i'll watch tv i'll yeah. just watch tv that and i won't do anything else which is because i can numb out watching tv exactly Exactly. Yeah. And you're distracted and numbing out is such a beautiful description of it, isn't yeah. it? You're no yeah. longer, you actually have to calm down. Um, but I mean, I used to drink um, uh, and I won't, you know, I, I used to drink and, and it's so funny because my mom died of Wernicke Korsakoff. Um, she, she really had a bad alcohol problem. My brother was a recovering alcoholic. Um, and actually, so <laughs> My childhood was really interesting because um, I had suppressed a lot of my abuse. And then when I was 15, like a whole bunch of stuff resurfaced. And so I started causing problems because things were resurfacing. I was one of these like problem teenagers. Mm -hmm. And uh, at one point, my parents actually uh, put me into an inpatient psych facility because I had run away from home and you know, trying to get away from all the shit. And so, um, so after that, when that didn't work, they put me in um, alcohol rehab, but I was never a drinker. I just smoked a lot of pot. And, <laughs> and so I actually, at 15, uh, was going to AA and was like, believing that I uh, was an addict. I was never an addict. I was a problem teen. And so Coming to grips with that, I actually uh, I actually started having alcohol again in my late 20s. And then um, what I realized was that when I drink, I think more about drinking. And when I don't drink, I think less about drinking. And um, I, I feel better when I don't drink. So... I think the last time I had a drink was in December, like the end of December before, before new year's. And I decided I just wanted to take a break from it for January. And here I am, you know, now it's, and, and I just don't miss it. Now I've got a full on, you know, wine cellar and I love whiskey and all these things, but I just hate being drunk because number one, I say stupid shit. I really, I stay, I cannot stand that because I say stupid shit. And then I have to walk it back the next day. Okay. Uh, and it pisses me off because it's like, you know, I, that's, that's, that's the thing I hate the most about drinking because I say <laughs> stupid shit and it's not funny. It's really bad. Like, that's what and you write it. You write it. You write it. Uh, the email. Yeah, no, I, don't, that I, don't, you I tend to not drunk dial people, but, oh, but I'll say stupid shit. Um, <laughs> and then I just, I hate having a headache the next day. You know, I have, um, um, MTHFR. And so that's a gene that makes it so that I don't metabolize alcohol as well. Mm. And so when I, um, when I first got this diagnosis, I started taking milk thistle and it made it so I never got hangovers as much, but now I just don't drink because I, I just find it to be, um, when I drink, I start thinking about drinking more. Mm. And, and if you read the book, um, this naked mind, if you read that book, mm. That book was probably the most insightful for me because it isn't 
like just because of your genetics, you're an alcoholic. No, you're an alcoholic because alcohol is fucking addictive, period. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with whether it's your mom and your dad, your brother. It's just like, if you drink, it's going to, it's, it's like, um, I don't know, like a tentacle, like an octopus that's just going to grab you and bring you in. That's it. Alcohol's job is to make you want it more. Mm. Nicely it, put. It has, yeah, it has nothing to do with, with your genetics or anything else. When you drink, you want to drink more. So it's easier to just not drink at all. Having said that, having said that, that there is uh, a distinct superpower that I have got. Um, that is that my brain can kick out dopamine at an amazing, amazing uh, level. Lucky. Uh, and I think, well, yeah. In the sense of it, it typically is linked to alcohol or is linked to other things. So my superpower is genetically predisposition. Um, having said that, um, you are so right in everything you said. You said about the alcohol. Um, it is alcohol gives us so many advantages at the start. And that's the reason that we use it because it 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 numbs your inhibitions. It makes you maybe a bit more outgoing. And many many people who really end up quite nasty in, in, with the alcohol, they have got a lot of trauma. They are actually quite yeah. shy. That was my um, mom. Exactly. It's really it's, a nasty drug. It is hundred yeah. percent. Um. So, and that's that's when actually the magic starts. Once you either yourself. Or with the help of others, or with the help of a rehab program, you come off that drug, and that and then allows you to start addressing all the other shit that has happened in your life, and that maybe you have been contributing to. Now you can actually address that. And that is so hard when you're still drinking. I yeah, remember well, for years I've I've got beautiful self help books, walls covered with self help books, and typically I was drinking them with a Chardonnay in my hand. I thought, oh, that's a good idea. I will do that. Yeah, right, as if you would. Um, so now you were about to say. Yeah, I was going to say that. Um, I can. Sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry. I wiped you over the mouth. But you know, it's 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 really funny because. Um, we think we think that alcohol makes us more fun <laughs> but go go to a party and intentionally don't drink mm -hmm. and you can see people people devolve it's it's not does not make you more fun it makes you sloppy <laughs> very true very very you know very i mean and, and that's the thing like i met a guy in england and we were talking about uh cognac I really have to, I really happen to like cognac and cognac in a warm glass. And and we were talking about, it. he says, yeah, I haven't had a drink in six weeks and there, or maybe six months or something. And I said, I said, well, how, how are you feeling? He says, it's boring. And I'm thinking this guy's going to go back to drinking soon because if it's boring, then, you know, because I, I find that when I'm not drinking, life has more color. It's easier for me to feel motivated about things. It's just, um, alcohol is like the worst the worst depressant and it comes in the problem is is it is the only drug well that that and that and nicotine that we just constantly push as an okay thing to do in stress and you see it like it's really funny like there's this one show that i watched i think it was about robots it was a russian show on netflix about robots 
And every time somebody was stressed, they were pouring themselves, you know, three fingers of, of something. And it made me think, you know, gosh, I guess that's what you're supposed to do when you're stressed out. Now I'm 50 something years old and I was thinking that. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, if that's what I think, what are we telling children? You know, that drinking is okay when you're stressed. Exactly. Why not, so why not go like, you know, the, hit the punching bag or go out for a run or, or, you know, fuck. You are right, 100% true. And, but this is, you say, we tell ourselves, I would go one step further, that there is actually a multi-trillion dollar industry out there yes. who employs a very clever people to make you think that you should behave like that. Um, yeah, lovely stuff. so socially acceptable and, and pushed. Mm. You know, I, 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 I would challenge anyone to find a mainstream movie coming out of America that does not have drinking and alcohol in it. If you look at streaming, I mean, and smoking, so, sorry. If you look at streaming services, um, there was a beautiful study done two, three years ago now, uh, in which they watched a thousand hours of uh, of the most uh, commonly watched shows, regardless what they were, and analyzed how much alcohol was being drunk, how often mm. was displayed, etc. Every three minutes, three and a half minutes, uh, alcohol was being displayed, was put in a positive way, or being drunk just casually. And when they then analyzed two different streaming services, it was amazing. Regardless what show you watched, seemingly the heroes in one streaming service really liked their whiskey. And mm -hmm. then in the other streaming service, they really liked their beer. And you just have to say, yeah, right. There is no product placement. There is no product advertisement. Oh, of course there is. It's just has become more sophisticated. And I remember back, back in the 80s when Tony Robbins used to be on TV. Hmm. In the at night and tony robbins said something that always stuck with me that the girls in the budweiser commercials right they wouldn't be looking like that if they drank budweiser Ooh, very nice very you know? nice and 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 we forget we just we just forget you know that because like like look you're on, you're watching TV. It doesn't matter now. Okay. So you're not, you're, you're watching streaming services. You're not watching um, commercial TV anymore. Right. But they're still bombarding you with commercials. Like what are they eating? They're eating chips and they're eating popcorn and they're eating pizza and mac and cheese and all the things that are not good for you. Um, that you can't have the body you desire if that's what you're choosing to put in your mouth. 100%. 100%. And I think that is the social engineering that has been happening over the last 50, 80, close to 100 years, actually. Um, it started off with uh, women being told, what, you're baking your own bread? That is very below you. And crap like that from a society where women, due to often financial restraints, etc., we're still cooking their own meals. I we're doing their own. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so you can actually, you know what is in it. You know, uh, how can how can a chip have 17 ingredients? OK, so if you look at actually what is on the back of your of your food, the, the nutrition labels, 
my goodness okay so that is uh, that is how we have changed as a society and have let that happen this is all marketing this is all uh, making money out of you buying shit and eating said shit um and then wondering why our rate of diabetes why our rate of of uh, um, cardiovascular disease is going for the roof hey, so listen, i'm gonna say right now Diabetes is because of seed oils. More than anything else, it's because of seed oils. We started using seed oils in the, you know, as soon as they were manufactured, think about when Crisco was manufactured and you can see diabetes. It's not just, it's not just sugar, mm. but it's, it's, it's seed oils. They're, they're, the, they're poison. Mm. They're it's poison. a good, yes, definitely. It's, it's a good combination of things. It's always hard to put a finger on one single thing because so sure. many things have been changed fundamentally. Absolutely. Well, not, I mean, but look at, look at how we removed fat from our diets. Indeed. We removed fats from our diets. And Absolutely. you can see as we removed the back in the seventies, everybody was thin. Most people were thin. Right. And then as we, as we started to, um, as we just, as we started to demonize fat because of Ansel Keys, who was an idiot, by the way, uh, he was, he was a, he was like an eel scientist. He was an, you know, and he, he did this seven country study and and he decided that fat was the bad guy and fat has never been the bad guy oh. it's these manufactured fats these fats that come from plastic exactly you know any of any of these vegetable oils we were just talking about the soy safflower sunflower so, uh, corn canola co cottonseed these are are byproducts of other industries right so the cotton seeds they were sitting there they were getting rancid like how can we turn this into money oh let's go ahead and hydrogenate them and part of that process is they, they get turned into plastic and then they get turned into a liquid. And they're so, they're so volatile and free radicals when you heat them up. And then they just use them, excuse me, they use them over and over and over and over. You know, you go to McDonald's or whatever, right? Uh. So it wasn't only the onset, um, the, the assault on our pancreas with sugar because you take the fat out, what are you going to do to add flavor? You're going to have to add sugar to it. So we had the assault on our pancreas and our pancreas is never get a rest. But on top of that, then we're using this, this poisonous toxic seed oil that increases inflammation everywhere in our body. Mm. And then boom, diabetes. Mm. Sorry, I went on a rant there. No, 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 no. That's absolutely <laughs> fine. Um, and then unfortunately, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because yeah. the moment you gain significant weight, this adipose tissue is not just sitting there. When I was studying medicine, yeah, fat, it just sits there. No, it is not. It is huge. Oh, hell yes. You're quite right. And most people don't recognize that. It's also hugely inflammatory. You know, the, the amount of, of inflammatory uh, inflammation cells that are sitting in there and are disgorging all that, that, uh, that, that, poisonous soup of chemicals that makes your body changes your body um that is huge so therefore mm -hmm. it becomes self-fulfilling does this uh, um it just keeps going and gets worse and worse and worse right and well, then at then like the so menopause yeah, yeah and, and, and menopause comes exactly and so wacky right and then women think that they have to balance their hormones, which is bullshit, because at the end of the day, what is menopause but a normal, natural rebalancing of your hormones? True. Very nice. Right? Said. And so, I mean, yeah, you might need a little help. Well, some women do because you can go crazy in menopause. Trust me, it's it, it can really mess with your brain. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, you know, 
it is such a privilege of a long life. And it is so amazing for us to have this opportunity to, to look at our lives, to take stock and say, okay, what do I want now? And a lot of us will end relationships in menopause. It just happens. You know, it's mm. like, it's not, it's not because our brains are wacky and messed up, but it's just that, you know, I just spent my whole life helping you succeed and then fuck you. I, this is, you haven't helped me at all. You know, I mean, and that, that happens and it's okay. You know, we evolve, we change. But the other thing is, is that if you've spent your twenties and thirties and forties eating these seed oils, all your hormones are made with these inflammatory fats because fat is a precursor to hormones. So if you're eating all these crappy hormones, crappy fats, then all your hormones are, are not that good anyway. And you're going to have like hot flashes and even more and more and more symptoms because all that you've made, the building blocks of your hormones has been from these bad fats. It's an intriguing, intriguing realization that you bring out there. And I had other specialists on menopause on my show and you all are singing from the same song sheet and it's so beautiful to hear that to hear the menopause as a an a privilege of transformation of a a reset so to speak of you actually stepping off your your hamster wheel and actually coming out and thinking okay who do i want to be in the next phase of my life and that is so beautiful. So I love it um, when you actually rephrase uh, relationship problems and maybe relationship breakups, not as, oh, she has turned crazy. No, she woke up, you could yeah. say. <laughs> yeah. And that is and so beautiful. About the hamster wheel, stepping off the hamster wheel, or some of us just get freaking thrown off. <laughs> yeah okay and that can be a good thing yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know i mean that's that's what i saw you took the hamster wheel and i went yeah. <laughs> oh priceless priceless what a good metaphor because that's yeah. exactly what sometimes needs to happen and yeah. and i see that say that again and again to my patients which are often um uh i mean because i i do elective surgery uh it's probably a bit more men than women and and i live in new zealand in a kind of working man's town so people do interesting things with their shoulders and then i have to help them fix them sort of these kind sure. of things so the traumas and these guys have not stopped working because that's how they define themselves as the breadwinners yep. as the active guys uh and then suddenly they have their shoulder operation they're going to be six weeks in a sling then they're going to be six weeks learning how to use that arm again and before they arrive that's six months no one has ever taken six months to reflect and that can be bloody scary for so many yeah. men but also women so i i rephrase that for them and i i ask them the questions is that not an opportunity for you to actually rethink your life and actually re go out there and actually stop for a moment mm -hmm. and actually think who do you want to be when you grow up? I often ask that specific question um, to men, women in their 50s, 60s, uh, because that's sort of when all that sort of seems to happen. In, and in their heart and in their brain, they're still 25 um, and yeah. think they can hold these beautiful, do beautiful things. So there is that. Um, the, the notion that you grow old graciously has become lost in our society. Uh, you have to be young. You have to be, you know, a certain thing. I mean, yeah. Oh, 
and is I mean that and that is in our society. Uh, leave alone the United States. Um, one of my heroes, being being a martial artist, Chuck Norris. Come on, my man, Chuck Norris is yeah. all the jokes. I believe he, he is the man. But I saw him recently in uh, him and his wife in uh, pictures. And he has the dyed hair. He must be in his 70s, late 70s, something like that now. And he is not growing old whatsoever. And funnily enough, his body is give, will be giving out. Um, and it is, hang on, we need to draw a line somewhere. We yeah, are- I mean, we have this concept of enough. And I don't think that we, that we are cognizant of it. Like what is enough? You know, people, people, yeah, we're, we may not ever be as wealthy as Elon Musk or mm. Jeff Bezos, and but it's never enough for them. Yeah. So what is enough? And I think that that's a great philosophical discussion. What is enough? You know, um, you speak about the cult of youth and think about, I think about, you know, Dick Clark, who never got old even after a stroke, right? Uh, he still, you know. I mean, he'll talk like this, but he still had black hair, um, you know. So I hear you. I, I, I and and what women are doing to their faces because <laughs> of because of the Kardashians or whoever. I like, yeah. you know, I I'm I, I'm going to admit it. I've had Botox and I've had fillers, and and at the end of the day, I mean, I cannot undo the fact that that gravity sucks yeah. and aging happens. And I would rather just look in the mirror and love what I see no matter what. And that is a process. Exactly. That is a process. You have to start to love yourself. And, and the only way to do that is to make a conscious effort to fall in love with yourself. And we don't want to do that because of the way society teaches us that, that we're not valuable unless we're giving something to someone else. But you know what? You are valuable. You are infinitely worthy no matter what right now. And when you can start to see that infinite worth and look in the mirror and see it and start to love it and appreciate it, that's where the magic starts to happen. But then again, this is a very active process and you need to take yes. active steps in the right direction. You can't yeah. just wake up one day and say, okay, today we're going to love ourselves. And No, you know. <laughs> but, but you can start with something simple like, you know, every time I have that negative thought, I'm going to say, I love myself or I love oh. you. Everything. So this is how it happened for me. I, at yeah. the end of 2018, I listen. I was making a lot of money. I'm making millions of dollars a year. I went out in the end of 2018. I had been on a couple of vacations. One of them was to uh, the Caribbean islands for New Year's um, on a yacht. Fantastic. And every time I looked in the mirror, I said, "I hate you." Huh. And I and I had this epiphany. I'm like, well, if I were a child, how motivated would I be to take action? to change if every time someone saw me, they said, I hate you. I would wanna run away and hide from that person. Yeah. And so I made a decision to say, in, even if my instinct was, I hate you, I hate this fat body, I hate, you know, whatever, I'm gonna look in the mirror and I'm gonna say, I love you. And it was that year that I started running. It was that year that I started making choices, better choices with what I ate. And um, it was probably running that saved my life because I would run and I would say, I love myself. I love myself. I love myself. I love myself. And it was my mantra as I ran. How cool and is that? And it was, it was that 
that year when like some of the suicidal thoughts were coming Mm. and instead of like entertaining them it was back to i love myself i love myself i love myself beautiful beautiful and again you took active steps you actually worked on it and i strongly strongly believe every single day we have got choices millions of them we are not Mm -hmm. even aware of them and we Every single choice either leads us to a life that we really, really want and love and deserve, I say, um, or leads us away from it. And every single thing, it is not one thing will 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 make the difference, but it's the many little things. So if you actually you know, choose to get up in the morning and put a decent face on as a woman, as a man, um and actually look after yourself and have a breakfast that is healthy well you've already done several things there that actually make you feel good and that's Mm -hmm. beautiful i i this morning got up and i was a bit bit crumpy but i knew i had a show and i wanted to show up now 80 percent of of success is showing up but also i know i always feel good after a show because i've got the privilege of talking to people like you and i get to a, a privilege of of reflecting of thinking of hearing often things that i know that are true but you in your words just rephrase them that a little bit so that it sounds like a new thing to me and it reinforces my beliefs so it's beautiful so i'm taking active action steps here of of making myself that person who I want to be. It doesn't happen naturally. And you can say how many times I love you, I love you. It's all good. If you don't take action, like you with the running or with having a nice breakfast that that you do, maybe making yourself a gluten-free toast, if you like your toast, have some avocado on it, and then maybe some whatever else. You know, every single step in that process, the sheer fact that you made it yourself you showed yourself the love. You yeah. betrayed yourself. You made yourself special. That is how we need to learn to look after ourselves. And I think that is where a coach like you comes in, where you actually say, hey, look, here, here, this is, there are so many ways how you can rephrase and relook at the things in your daily life to actually make them worthwhile, to make your life worthwhile living. And yeah. that is that is freedom. That is yeah. that is uh, where where actually a smile creeps on my face. And I might not like my meal prep, and I might not like those. But the moment I do it, I actually say, "Oh, that feels good. Makes me feel good." Yeah. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> the whole thing, right? Because when you know that what you put in your mouth is is ninety percent of how you're going to feel for the next mm. couple of weeks. Yeah. You can start to make choices. Hell yeah. The thing I teach inside my 28 day challenge is before you, before you put something in your mouth, just pause and ask yourself, is this something I really, really want right now? And that's hard to do in the moment because again, our future selves are far away. We, we view our future selves as not us, but as an other yeah. And so what, what we have to do, it's an active practice. We have to bring that future self and start to embody that future self now. Like if I were that person, what would I do? If I love myself completely and wholly, what would my choice be? Would I allow my child to do this? I like to tell people who have children, can you love yourself in the same way you love your children? 
can you show that much compassion, that much grace, that much care, that much love, mm. that much empathy, right? Now, not everyone has children, but we love animals. We love, there's, there's a lot of ways to look at it. I if love you truly that. loved yourself the way that you love your children, would you talk to yourself that way? Who, you know, and, and this is how you start to change those patterns, mm. but it's, pra it's a practice. It's active. You have to stay with it. And um, it mm. takes time, right? But it took you time to get here. Mm. And your brain, all it wants to do is think the same thoughts over and over and over again. But you have control of the brain and you get to choose what to think. Mm. And so for me, like with the I hate you in the mirror, that was my trigger. I said, I set a line and I said, this is my trigger. When I look in the mirror, I'm going to say I love you no matter what the first thought is that comes into my head. I'm going to say I love you. Beautiful, beautiful. And that made a big difference in my life. And it sounds like utopia for so many women, if they are in the darkness. And and not just women. Guys, you just Everyone because you've got... Everyone has body a, dysmorphia. Hell Everyone yes. Does. Just because you've got a Y chromosome. Come on. No, no, no. Just, yeah. just take that shit away. It is... Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're, if you're non-binary. It's the same things over and yeah. over. The same principles yeah. apply, okay? So um, don't get hung up on labels no it is we all are in the same we all live in in societies that have very similar values uh sure. even if you're listening from from another country like india or from from pakistan with different belief systems ultimately what we're talking about is true for virtually everyone on this world so yeah. therefore guys girls uh, in between just go for what is important which is loving yourself but you need to learn how to do that you can't just walk into a gym and know exactly uh how to use every single machine and every single weight in there you have no idea if you have if you need to have someone to show you and i think yeah. that's the same that's where a life coach um comes in and gives you the assistance um he or she might guide you towards a towards certain goals but it is a journey and on that journey, um, you will meet other people. There might be some trauma that that your coach might not be wanting to address or is able to address. You might need maybe a family physician, a GP to help with some medical problems, maybe a psychiatrist to help with some really dark, dark mental problems, etc. There's so many. So create a power team. But if you have no idea where to start, I think a life coach is a bloody good start. <laughs> yeah, you know, what's really interesting is that I'm learning some techniques now that don't even require you to tell me what the issue is. I don't have to know. I can just tell you to bring it to your mind huh. and then we can meet with a wise guide. And Because really, at the end of the day, everything you need is inside of you. Huh. So if I can direct you to that guide, there's there is no stopping your healing your whatever you know maybe you don't need to be healed maybe you just need to move on you know i don't yes. know you know yes. there's i think that we have these experiences these traumas these i mean life you could say you know if you're jaded like me you could say that life is a series of traumas and you just got to <laughs> get over it right um yeah. and I, I had, um, I mean, I can't, I can't 
even men- mention how many traumas I had. So many mm. people that that tried to break me when I was a child. And I was always the type to get back up. And my brain was so awesome because it made me forget a whole year of my life (laughs) (laughs) so that I don't have to relive that trauma anymore, which is, you know, that's pretty awesome. Right. But at the same time, we have the option of letting life happen to us, victim, letting life come through us or creating our lives. And it's a process, you know, first to recognize that maybe, maybe you're being a victim and then you say, I don't want that. So then you're like, okay, I want to have life flow, flow through me. Great. And then you can start to expect magic after that. And you can start to create life around you. And it's really amazing to, to look at it from that perspective. As soon as you get clear on what you want, the problem is getting clear on what it is you want and then staying focused enough on that one thing, one thing at a time, making it simple. Because remember, experts uh, simplify and beginners complicate. <laughs> and I learned that in my business. And it's been it's been such a really, it's been, you know, I tried to build this business that was a behemoth before I was ready. And I was like, this isn't working and I don't love it. And so I just was like, nope, fuck this, I'm done. I don't want to deal with, I don't want to work with complaining menopause women and not, I love women in menopause. Trust me, I do. But a lot of women complained and that's the kind of people I was attracting. I'm like, I don't want to work with these people. I'm going to attract different people. And so I made a choice. I'm like, I'm going to attract people who understand me, who get me, who love me, who think I'm amazing. And I'm just going to be who I am. I'm not going to try and be something to somebody else. I'm going to be me. And they either like me with my cursy, weird, like, you know, no makeup, man's haircut, whatever you know, lesbian self, great. They don't, fine, that's okay. There's somebody else out there for them. And so that's that's kind of how I started it. And and then I, I just started talking about it. And here I am, I am who I am. I can help you. I can help you change just about anything in 15 minutes or less. I, I, have, I have no doubt about that, yeah. right? But right now my focus, I have one thing I'm focusing on and that is I have a 28 day challenge. It's for women who want to lose their mental belly. That's it. That's the only thing I'm focusing on this year. <laughs> yeah, mental belly. Oh, I love it. In the mental belly, yeah. And I'm focusing on it and I'm 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 doing one, I'm doing it every month this year. I'm doing one cohort every month. So if you want to join, you can join in March. Okay. I don't know, it's February now. I don't know when this is airing, but you can join the beginning of the month. You can you can go and get on my 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 newsletter email list and you'll get notified of the wait list for the next month. And it's at drmichellegordon.com. You can get on my email list. I was about that's to say. all I'm focusing on this year. And then and then from the Middle Belly Challenge, you can actually, you know, come into one of my other programs. And if you don't want to wait and go through the challenge and, and come into one of my other coaching programs so you can build the life you love, one habit at a time, then you just got to reach out to me and I'll, I'll talk to you about, you know, we'll get on the phone and we'll talk about what works best. That's it. Perfect. Perfect. You took the words out of my mouth because I would have asked you, where can people find you? And you already said it. Guys, look down there into the description of the YouTube video or of the podcast because all of of Michelle's uh, contact details are in there. And the, the simple question is, who do you want to be? Because we all have gone through trauma. So therefore, we all have been victims. Some of us stay there for a long time. 
Now, mm. people like uh, like Michelle and myself, we became survivors. And some of us, again, me, I stayed in that survivor for all oh, better part of, I would say, 30 years. Mm. And only then did I become a thriver. And that thriving, that is where, what we are all about now, this post-traumatic growth, uh, not just surviving it, but actually thriving out of it, learning, learning from the past, but more importantly, focusing on the future, on the future that we want to live, on the future that is important for us. And I think my trauma was a privilege, my traumas. Uh, and I know it sounds <laughs> stupid and sounds corny, but no, I no, actually... you wouldn't be who you are without them. And that's, exactly. that's, that's how you resolve trauma. Exactly. The main thing is to realize you can't go out and back and change the past until True. we figure out how to time travel. Um, <laughs> we can time travel through through different types of yeah. hypnosis, yeah. but it's still, we can change how we feel about the past because of, because of the way our brain works, because of the way memory works. Yeah. There are things to do to lessen the trauma. Yeah. However... Once you can find gratitude, even for that, that the worst of the traumas, mm. and trust me, I mean, I, mm. I was brutally raped as a child. I am not going to, you know, do I hate the abusers? Sure. Yeah. Can I forgive them? I've done my best. I still think they're assholes. Okay. I mean, who does that to a child? Well, apparently it happens all the time, mm. but, but at the same time, without that experience, I would not have the tenacity that I have, the resilience that I have, exactly. and it is who I am. I am, that's who I am here now. I mean, I can't go back and change the fact that this happened to me, but what I can do is change who I am now and who I'm choosing to be for the future. And when you decide who it is you wanna be and start to embody that mm -hmm. yeah. and make the choices from that, then you bring the future to you. You actually draw it to you because what wants you wants you back. What you want wants you back. And so if, if your desire is, I want to build a bit, let's just say something easy. I want to build a business and I want to make a couple thousand dollars a month. And that's all you're thinking about. Well, if you want that enough, it wants you back. And so then you just start working. What's the smallest thing I can do that's going to take me closer? One little thing at a time. And then 1%, 1%, 1%. If you do 1% improvements every week, that's 165% more more better <laughs> i love it i love it and more actually it's the compound interest because once you actually improve yourself a little bit you say that's nice and you actually yeah, focus you a little bit more. more motivation that's right exactly and it's yeah. just as much as there's a vicious uh circle uh, a nasty spiral that can track you down there's equally the same spiral that can can drag you up you just need yeah. to know how to jump on that bandwagon uh whilst your brain is so good in trying to get you onto the other one so that's no. why i have coaches exactly exactly <laughs> right oh brilliant michelle yeah. you're an amazing woman an amazing story an amazing transformation wow uh you really made me make, rethink uh, aspects of my life today and no doubt many people out there will have thought the same so i'm so grateful that you came on to as a guest onto my show and thanks for having me i oh absolutely i can't wait to have you back in a year's time or so to actually think who have you grown into now because we yeah. all grow so that's a beautiful thing we just don't stop here and who knows who you and i are in a year's time this is 
a huge privilege. And so I, I really want to come back in a year because my goal, actually, after building up this, um, yeah, the minnow belly thing and and the coaching, is I want to uh, what I have it written down here. I want to have um, ten doctor clients who want information to want to build an information business because um, I have gone through the school of hard knocks. And it turns out that there's not a lot of people out there who will actually show you how to do this from start to finish. But what they'll do is take your money and not do what we expect <laughs> a specialist to do in medicine. Uh, and so it'll yeah. be really nice to see uh, where I am. But by the end of the year, I want to have 10 clients who are doctors who want to build an information business. And how beautiful would that be? Because we can then be the catalysts for others. And we can be the transformers. We can can help others to actually yeah. become those people. And that is the snowball effect. We can't, exactly. the, the world is a heap of shit in the moment and really needs help. Um, we say that but, every every generation. I mean, oh, true, true, true. No, no, my yeah. point is, my point is, whatever, however your outlook is on the world, and really the last three years, were, I know no one who has had an easy life in the last three years. Um, yet, um, Again, are you a victim? Are you a survivor? Or are you a thriver? And the way you need to start is with self-love and with modeling, looking after yourself. And with that, suddenly you take an, you you create an influence on those people immediately around you, your family. So you model actually to your children how to build resilience by looking after yourself, those kind of things. So you are changing the world. One little right. choice, one little action at a time. So you're not powerless. You're not helpless. No, you're taking control. You are in the driver's seat in all yes. the good ways. And we keep forgetting that. So there's so many good reasons why I want you to come onto this journey with Michelle and me. Because yes. we are out there and we try to be trendsetters um, because we, we have seen what it uh, what happens when you actually change your behavior, when you got your shit together and that's beautiful <laughs> michelle you're an amazing woman uh so thank you again so much for your time hey that was brilliant uh, thanks so much for having me and you out there look after yourself and live with passion okay bye bye <laughs> i never give up i never give up i never give up turn around